listening to a Sharesies podcast. Kia ora everyone, um, Happy New Year and welcome to 2022 and also welcome to this one, um, one-off special panel discussion brought to you by Sharesies uh, and in case you don't know, Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create financial empowerment for everyone. Uh, so today we'll be talking about what's shaping the share markets at the moment and what might be in store for the next 12 months. Um, so by means of introduction, my name is Alice and I'm a financial analyst here at Sharesies and I'll be running the conversation today. Uh, but that also means that I'm in charge of the admin for today's chat. So before we begin, I do have a small legal disclaimer to read out. Um, so investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Uh, any information that we talk about today is general only and current at the time. Uh, if you're looking for help with your investment choices, we do recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. And finally, we won't be providing any personalized advice as part of this webinar. Uh, also, please feel free to ask any questions that you have um, through the ask a question just down below. Um, but please don't leave any questions in the chat area as we'll likely um, miss these. And finally, please be kind and respectful towards our guests and your fellow viewers. Uh, otherwise, we will have to take steps to remove you from the webinar and we don't want to have to do that. Uh, so housekeeping over um, and speaking of guests, it's time to introduce our panellists today. So first up, we have Victoria Harris. Uh, Victoria is a portfolio manager at Devon Funds, and she's also um, the co-founder of The Curve, uh, which is an educational platform designed for women to learn more about money. So welcome, Victoria. Hi, how are you going? Good, thank you. Thanks for joining us and thanks for um, coming back. Um, you've joined us uh, on a few shares these webinars, so great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Cool. And so our second guest is John Berry from Pathfinder Asset Management, uh, which is an ethical fund manager. John is the CEO and co-founder of Pathfinder. Uh, great to see you again, John. Kia ora, and hello to all your viewers. Kia ora. Um, again, great to have you here, and, and again, someone um, that you've you've appeared on our, on a few of our shares these webinars as well. Um, and last but not least, joining us today is Leighton Roberts, uh, who is one of Sharesy's co-founders and co-CEOs. Hi, Leighton. Kia ora, Alice, and kia ora koutou katoa to everyone listening. Great. Thank, so thanks so much for being here uh, today, everyone. And as I mentioned just before, we'll be chatting about the major themes and events that are affecting the share markets at the moment um, and what might be in store for 2022. Um, so let's start off by looking at share markets and what they've been doing lately. Um, you know, while here in Aotearoa, some of us might have been enjoying a nice summer holiday. Um, the share markets haven't taken a break. Uh, they've kept marching on. Uh, so Victoria, um, for someone who might not have been, you know, checking in on the markets or their portfolios over this time, to quickly recap, you know, how did the year end um, in 2021 for share markets um, and what's been happening since? Yeah, thanks, Alice. Well, I guess um, the key thing is that that money never sleeps. So yeah, like you said, unfortunately, it has been a pretty volatile uh, start to the year. Um, I guess taking a step back, so 20, 2021, um, you know, we did see you know, a lot of activity, particularly in the, in the kind of the second half or the last last quarter of the year, we saw a lot of um, M&A activity across you know, Australia, New Zealand, um, you know, a lot of companies had a lot of cash, so we're, we're, you know, 
buying other businesses, et cetera. So, um, you know, it was definitely, uh, I noticed it was a busy, a busy time towards the end of the year. Um, and I guess looking at, looking at the share market, so the, the NZX uh, finished marginally down for the year, uh, but that was mainly due to uh, one of the largest holdings in the index, which is Fisher and Paykel, um, you know, having having a, having a pretty tough year, so that throws the index around uh, quite a lot, just because of its large weighting. And then over in Aussie, uh, they finished up about seventeen percent for the year, so um, you know, much better than 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 what we feared here last year. And then in the US, the S and P was up nearly thirty percent, so we really lagged in terms of uh, our performance last year. Then looking. F- Looking at 2022, um, can't quite believe that it's already 2022, but um, we saw yeah a pretty a pretty volatile start to the year to be honest. Um, and all markets have started weak, so Australia, New Zealand, uh, you know the S and P 500, you know down about five percent already um, the first couple of weeks of the year. Um, and this is mainly due to I guess we'll we'll kind of touch on it later, but it's all around. Um, you know, the expectation that the US is going to start um, uh, rate hikes this year. Um, and it's because we've seen, you know, a lot of inflation around around the world uh, off the back of, of COVID and the supply chain disruptions and labor disruptions that that's caused. So we're seeing some really large inflation numbers coming through, which is, has spooked a lot of people and spooked, spooked the markets. Um, we've also got uh, Omicron, Omicron. I, I don't even know how to say it, <laughs> but uh, that's kind of spooking the New Zealand market here as well, and and, and what that kind of means uh, for the next kind of three three to six months here. Um, so yeah, there's kind of a lot going on, which is you know hitting the ground running after after a summer holiday. That's for sure. Yeah, totally. And I know, like, um, I was just uh, saying to to you all before, um, you know, I sort of checked in on my investment portfolio after my break and was sort of like, oh, you know, what's been going on? And as you say, there is a lot happening and we'll um, sort of do a bit of a deeper dive into some of those things you've just mentioned um, in a moment. And of course, um, something that has dominated um, the news and markets for the past two years has been COVID. Um, and sort of, John, you know, looking to the year ahead, um, how's the pandemic continued? to impact the share market? Um, it will continue to impact the share market. If we think of, um, you know, going back two years to March 2020, the S&P 500 was off about 30% when COVID first hit. And, you know, so bad news then, but the global economy grew by 6% last year. So it was actually quite a good news story last year. The other thing that was really interesting last year, you know, Victoria nailed it, sort of summarising how the year was. The, the other thing I'd just add is volatility was really low last year. Um, and so despite COVID, if we look at the S&P 500, there weren't any dips below 5%, really unusual. There were hardly, you know, there were very few trading days where the S&P 500 fell by more than 2%. And again, that's really, really unusual. So if you're new to investing, what you experienced last year is not necessarily going to be repeated into the future. And, and you know, COVID um, is both a threat and an opportunity for business. So it's the same as any major event that happens. You know, we ask ourselves, how is this going to change or disrupt a business? What does that mean for the business's earnings um, going forward? And and it's not always easy to get it right. You know, in, in 2020, um, many people will be familiar with Peloton, which is a sort of home cycling um, software and building community around cycling. That share price went up four times in 2020, only to give it up all, all of it up in 2021. So um, sometimes it's not it's not obvious how shares are going to behave. But looking forward for this year, 
um, short-term supply disruption is going to get worse. Um, different countries are, are handling Omicron differently. Um, like Victoria, I've got to keep remembering to leave the N out of it, Omicron. Um, oh, <laughs> um, supply disruptions are going to get worse before they get better. Some countries like China are trying for elimination still. Um, some countries like the UK are just letting it rip. Um, every country is, is going to be challenged by it. So short-term supply chains will worsen. Medium-term, um, I'm not a health expert, but the view that we're taking here is that things are going to return to, to a new normal at some point soon. And looking at a survey of investment managers and professional investors earlier this week, um, more than half believe that Omicron will bring us closer to that, what that normal looks like. So rather than Omicron delaying things and making things worse in terms of um, you know, a return to normal, whatever that means, Omicron is actually bringing us close to that point. So I suppose a, a positive in that sense, but this year um, more disruption and expect higher volatility than you saw last year. Um, later, Neil, Victoria, anything else to add? Yeah, I think that's a, a, John made some good points. We we probably got a bit complacent, to be honest, in terms of you know volatility, and so this this year being a bit more volatile is probably probably healthy. Um, you know, creates creates opportunities as well. Um, and then with 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 Omicron, I think with New Zealand, we have an advantage because we can kind of we can look at Australia and see see what's happening there, and it's almost a lead indicator for us. So we do get that advantage in terms of. Uh, how quickly that Australia can get back to normal. Therefore, you know that should um, you know result in, in in how quickly we can get back to normal once it once it spreads through New Zealand. So, um, you know there are a few key key positives in terms of looking to to Australia for for how we can uh, or how quickly we can return to normal. Yeah, I, I'll just add the only thing I'd add. I mean, that's all great information. I feel like I'm learning lots here as well. But the um, I think that the big change for me last year was the change from that we've been in such a cycle of lower interest rates for longer and longer. And, you know, right through the start of COVID, that was the belief, right? And every macro tool that a bank could bring out around the world was used. Um, and, you know, arguably still we'll see how it plays out. But that looks like it's resulting in, in the complete opposite of lower for longer. So um, I think we saw that play out over the last two months, more certainty around that. And uh, as a result, some reaction to it for the first time. And I guess that if there's another thing that was unique about the markets and, and the point we were in was this, this, this sort of constant rise, I suppose, for the S&P as an example last year, uh, you know, it was fully supported by um, banks just not being a place to put money, interest rates being completely unattractive with regards to that. And probably people, you know, maybe complacent is the right word, but certainly less care for price. Mm. Um, and we might see that come back in a bit. So quite um, closely linked to some of these things that we've been chatting about is um, inflation. And that was a key theme that started to emerge late last year, um, specifically the rising rates of inflation. Um, so just as a quick jargon buster, um, inflation refers to the general rising of prices over time. And so it erodes purchasing power. So say $10 might not get you quite as far as before. Um, so yeah, as I said, that rising inflation that was hitting headlines late last year. I mean, John, do you think that inflation will be persistent in 2022? And sort of what are your thoughts there? Yep. Look, if we if we think about what's driving inflation, um, Leighton mentioned, you know, money creation and, and government spending on top of that supply chain disruption. So um, difficulty in getting goods pushes up price prices. And in, in Europe and the US, energy prices as well had a really big impact on um, on inflation. 
we think it'll drop from its current levels, depending on which country you're in, four, five, six, seven percent um, will drop slightly, but will remain above um, what for New Zealand, our target is two percent, it will remain above target um, for some time yet. Um, everyone's debating, you know, is it transitory, is it permanent? Um, you know, the longer it's transitory, the more permanent it starts looking. But our, our best guess is um, we've really got this problem until late this year. Um, so we're stuck with, you know, we've got to factor inflation, higher inflation, um, above above target inflation into our investing decisions because it's not going away anytime soon. And Leighton, anything else to add there? Um, like I, I, I was in banking last time we tried to put interest rates up. I worked in banking and, and um, New Zealand led interest rates up in that case. It, it, it didn't eventuate. Um, with, you know, we were cutting the OCR, I think, by 50 or maybe even more basis points within six months. And so I think that's shaken any confidence for me seeing New Zealand at least lead interest rates up and where that is. But I think everyone, if you look around your life right now, you can see inflation. Like, you know, I see, you can experience it. You, I mean, you don't have to look far past the housing market, which, um, but even everything we buy, right? Um, and so it, it's hard to see uh, anything but that increasing. And saying that if, if the US starts to raise rates, it'll be the first time, you know, really since 2008 that that's happened. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think we're in a lot of unknown territory on, on the impact of what that'll do across um, uh, mostly mortgage rates, which will, I think, have a material impact on people's ability to spend. And as a result, um, hopefully through, flow through to prices pretty quickly, but um, it's it's all very unknown is, is what I'd say. I was, you know, just before we were talking and I was thinking this is going to be a super interesting um, episode to look back on a year because, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it just feels more uncertain than ever. And and you raise a good point there around interest rates. I'm keen to come back to that in a moment. But Victoria, I mean, perhaps you could explain a bit, like from an investing point of view, how does inflation impact different types of investments? Yeah, well, I think I guess um, Leighton kind of summed it up. Being being in uncharted territory, it is definitely um, for me. You know, I haven't um, you know been in an in, investing in, in um, financial markets where there has been you know, significant inflation or, um, you know, these increasing interest rates. So for me, it's definitely kind of uncharted territory. And, you know, we were just talking um, over the last kind of a couple of days at, at, in the office around, you know, what, what companies will benefit, um, you know, what companies will we, should we be allocating money to? And um, it's really, it, it will impact investments, definitely. Um, higher interest rates impact, definitely impacts uh, investments that have those longer dated cash flows because you're discounting back at a higher rate. Um, you've also got uh, companies where um, you want to invest in companies with with, with pricing power. Really, um, the the one one of the most obvious ones is, is supermarkets, for example, because they have the ability to pass on those costs. But uh, the key thing is that it's all right passing on those costs of the, of the top line, um, but you know a lot of these companies are going to feel it, um, you know, at the expense line as well. And and getting staff and and dealing with those supply chain issues, you know, it does add a lot of costs. So um, it's really kind of investing in those companies that will be able to manage it uh, uh, the most, I guess. Um, and yeah, it's 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 I guess having from a from a uh, retail investor point of view, is, is having a diversified portfolio um, would really be would be one thing that I that I would say. 
really you know, interesting probably, thoughts. I'll, I'll oh, yeah, probably sorry, just one thing. Yeah. Victoria, I'll just say you're absolutely right. Diversified portfolio is important mm. and, and across asset classes as well as within yeah. asset classes. So mm. if we think about what is inflation going to do for investing, we're already seeing bond markets, um, you know, it, it, bad for bonds, particularly long-dated bonds. Um, shares, you know, Victoria talked about pricing power, how important it is, and, you know, not a buy or sell recommendation, but an example of Woolworths, for example, you know, they can pass on um, the costs they have. Primary producers like um, Costa Group in Australia yep. or Scales in New Zealand, they can pass the costs on. So you're looking for those. With, with companies, you know, history isn't always the greatest guide to the future, but typically in the past when inflation's been below 5%, it hasn't actually been terrible for equities. It hasn't been really bad. So, um, you know, that's a guide from the past. It, it, but like I say, it may not apply in the future. And look at other asset classes. Property, what you're looking for there is if you're investing in property companies, do they have the ability to raise their rentals in line with inflation? And how long is that going to take them to do? Like are the rent reviews three years out or can they do that in the short term? Um, the other place people jump to historically is precious metals and in mm. times of inflation. Um, gold and silver had a, had a bad year last year. So that, they shouldn't have. They should have had a good year. They had a bad year. Crypto had a great year. So I'll leave the question with you. Like is crypto now replacing precious metals? But I don't know. But, the, you know, that that was unusual for precious metals to have a bad year last year. But, you know, the... We think we're talking about shares, but we should think about the wider asset class as well, and we should make sure our portfolio is diversified across all those asset classes. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, really good points there. And, and Leighton, any thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I think that's pretty well covered. Eh? I, I think the big thing, um, you know, um, Victoria touched on it briefly, but diversification, but all, all things that we've talked about on Lunch Money now for however long we've been doing it, two years, are true right now just like they were then because we're always talking mm. about the risk event and we're in that i guess so you know what's one of the biggest um risks to um the s p continuing its nice track up like it did last year it's inflation right that's the biggest one so how do you mitigate that you consider diversification you um you use time as um you know that's still the most valuable thing you can have so so um realizing that and the final thing I'd say is being really observant. I mean, I'm just trying to think. In university, they used to um, explain uh, inflation as like the worst type of tax because it was one you couldn't see. Uh, and I think people have to be really conscious of that because if you, you know, deposit rates in the banks will start to go up and you'll look at them and you'll be like, oh, you know, I can get three or 4%, which compared to half a percent last year is going to look extremely attractive but inflation's if that's happening at seven percent or eight percent and you know you really have to just be quite conscious of this this the bit that's happening that you don't see mm. um and i think that's a trap that many people fall into into over the, you know for a long i think it's been a big problem for new zealanders actually when when interest rates have been higher we've had a huge amount of money in term deposits and stuff less money in and assets and as a result uh, um more people um not growing their wealth like they could have in growth assets. So I don't think it's time to be scared or anything like that. It's time to observe, take some of those learnings and put them into practice. And this completely um, leads on to the next topic that I was hoping to cover um, because sort of in response to these high rates of inflation and as you've sort of um, hinted to so far, um, central banks around the world are signalling that they'll start to raise um, their rates or their interest rates. And in fact, here in New Zealand, you know, our Reserve Bank already has started to raise the official cash rate. Um, so Leighton just throwing this to you as a bit of a refresher, you know, are you able to remind us sort of what a central bank is and and what mm. they do and how they um, influence interest rates around the world? Yeah, I mean, I guess fundamentally a central bank um, sets monetary policy 
um, for a country. So things about cash in the economy, it's um, they're often consider, considered the lender of last resort. So making sure there is like stability in the economy, maintaining the cash flow. New Zealand specifically, our reserve bank is basically mandated. I mean, most mostly we hear about inflation as their key mandate. So they're trying to manage that. They also have employment um, sort of as their, their, their second primary one. But um, yeah, in a nutshell, they've got a they've got a job of trying to keep this under control, and they've got so many levers they can use. And effectively, they're looking for stability um, and making sure that the currency, and in the Reserve Bank's case, that the New Zealand currency can be trusted, can be um, a good, uh, you know, a trusted holder of assets or a custodian of it, uh, and ultimately, or, or most importantly, I suppose, a good holder of value. So, um, and that's to say that if you arrive at the dairy tomorrow with $10 and you're hoping to get a bottle of milk and some bread and all of that, that, that $10 delivers on that for you. Um, so, so, I mean, maybe John or uh, maybe either of you have something more to add, but I think in a nutshell, that's what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, look, I'd just add in terms of jargon busting, the terms you'll often hear in the media are um, fiscal tools and monetary tools. And the way to think about it is fiscal tools are government tools. That's like take money of the economy by increasing tax, increase money in the economy by um, government spending more. And a monetary policy is, is the tools that central banks use, which is increase money supply, um, reduce or, or increase interest rates to take money in or out of the economy, um, you know, quantitative easing, those sort of things. So um, mm. they sound scary, monetary policy and fiscal policy, but they're really important tools for um, managing our economy. Yeah, so um, John, sort of following on from that, like in the in the news recently, there's been a lot of talk about the Federal Reserve over in the US, and um, that they're thinking about rising um, raising their interest rates. Um, and sort of as Victoria mentioned at the start of um, our discussion today, that sort of caused a bit of a reaction in the share markets. Um, you know, are you able to explain a bit about kind of what happened there and why did that impact on share markets? Yeah, well, look, the, sim the simple answer is we've had a world of incredibly low interest rates for a long time. Um, you know, since GFC, interest rates have been falling or have been at incredibly low levels, and equity investors love that um, because you're not going to, like Latham was saying earlier, you're not going to put money in the bank at 1%, you're going to find another um, opportunity in dividend yield stocks or, or whatever it may be. Interest rates rising um, suddenly makes things scarier. Um, so it makes fixed interest more interesting. It also, um, which Victoria touched on earlier, is the, around the way we value companies, we're looking at the long-term cash flow of companies. And if you think about a lot of tech stocks, um, the potential in those companies might be five or 10 years away. And so we're saying, okay, that's when their earnings are, um, but a dollar in 10 years is not worth today what I thought it was you know, in a lower interest rate environment. So I'm going to lower my valuation of that company. I'm going to lower what I, how I value the future earnings of that company. And that's that's part of the reason why tech in particular has been hit pretty hard because of the um, valuation of future earnings. And, and, you know, some tech companies have been absolutely smashed. Arc, um, which is Kathy Wood's um, her fund, which a lot of people will be familiar with, is down about half on a year ago, um, which, is, which is tech focused. Yeah, and um, Victoria, any... Thing else to add there? Um, There's a great ex explanation. Thanks, John. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, agree with all of that. That's why we've kind of seen a lot of a lot of these tech names. Um, yes, they were were kind of COVID beneficiaries, um, so had a fantastic run from a from an earnings growth perspective. But there was also the valuation part of that as well, which um, was driven by by these low interest rates. Um, you know, over the last you know the last couple of years, and and now we're seeing that reverse. We've seen. 
them, you know, particularly the NASDAQ, which is um, dominated by by technology companies, that's come off, um, I think it's off about 8% year to date. So, um, you know, we are seeing those tech companies, you know, really feel feel the pain um, and and rightly so because they do have um, those longer dated those longer dated cash flows which which impa- impact the valuation. Yeah, but it, but it's not all disastrous news in the sense you know I was looking at no. the Microsoft price a couple of days ago and and Microsoft price is where it was in mid October last year. So um, you know it's it's given up a few months of gains, but it's not it's not completely disastrous. The I suppose the thing that worries me a little bit is I'm seeing a lot more talk about is tech in a bubble. And um, again, the views of of some European and US um, professional investors earlier earlier this week um, about half are saying yes, it's in a bubble, and the other half are saying no or don't know. And you know, I can't answer that question for you, but um, th- there is that risk of heightened valuations. Um, essentially, valuations getting sent to levels that are no longer justified. Um, you know, there was a bit of FOMO in a lot of companies where people jumping in. Um, when FOMO reverses and people panic, um, you can see a sell-off, which is what we're seeing a little bit in tech. The question is how much further has it got to run? Mm, that's the big and question. <laughs> I mean, um, you've both mentioned tech quite a lot as an industry that's been impacted by this. I mean, as if, um, from what I've been reading, I mean, it seems as though the, the impact um, – of these higher interest rates, it can be quite varied across different um, investment types and also different sectors even. I mean, um, uh, John and Victoria, you know, is that a fair comment to make? Yeah, I mean, we saw uh, we saw a bit of, you always see rotations going on in the market. And, um, you know, during COVID, we saw rotations, you know, when COVID was running rampant, we saw rotations from these COVID beneficiary names, um, to um, you know, the, once the vaccine came out, we saw rotation to vaccine beneficiary. And you, you see these rotations going all the time. And I think one that we saw, um, you know, we've seen growth outperform, uh, you know, for, for for a number of years now. And that's due, you know, one of those reasons is due to the low interest rates. Um, and we're starting to see a bit of a rotation back into value outperforming. So rotation from the growth names into value. Um, and by value, I just mean those companies that are, um, you know, have low valuations, but also that benefit from from rising interest rates um, or, uh, you know, benefit from, from the economy, I guess, um, yeah, I guess benefit from 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 rising interest rates. So, yeah, you know, we are seeing those rotations, you know, continue to play out, and it's kind of just the nature of of, of investing in 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 global markets. Um, and then I guess as you go go down a bit more granular, um, you know, there are companies that benefit from rising interest rates, and 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 ones that don't. So. You know, for example, banks do well in rising interest rate yep. environments and in the financial sector. Um, companies that hold large cash balances, you're obviously, if interest rates go up, they're, they're getting more off, off that money. Um, and then I guess yeah, we've touched on a few few kind of sectors and companies to avoid, but, you know, dividend paying companies, for example, tend to struggle in rising interest rate environments. Um, you know, in the New Zealand market is, has got a lot of those, um, you know, real estate and REITs, so real estate investment trusts, they struggle Um and you know a lot of companies with high debt also you're now paying more um, on that debt, so those kind of companies struggle. So um, you know there are companies that will benefit and and ones that that will struggle as we kind of go into this 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 uncharted territory or this new this new year with um, you know with interest rates rising. And um and Leighton, 
I mean, from uh, an investor point of view, you know, what are some steps that they can take to sort of look at their portfolios and um, evaluate kind of how, I guess, interest rates might impact their portfolio and, you know, what can they do to protect themselves from these changes? Yeah, I, I guess like what I said earlier, it's all those tools that we've been talking about for a long time. If there was a thing that I'd say to look at right now, it's really time horizon. Um, because if you were prepared to accept the risk over three or four years, you know, against 1% in the bank or something, you know, the, the chance of you making a bit more in the um, in, in equities over that time period, that may change a little bit. So if it's within three to five years, cash and bonds are probably starting to look a bit more attractive than what they were um, not so long ago. But I think in the long, in the long term, look, I mean, if, if you look at something that's literally uh, a company by its very nature is, exists, you know, one of its things to do is, to make money, right? And part of that is making more money than its cost and inflation is a cost of a company. So um, it, stocks um, are still, um, you know, a, a great option regardless. And we've talked about some of those companies that will perform very well in there. Um, you know, I mean, banks are a, a great example. Um, and I think in, in the tech space as well, it'll be interesting to see because um, it's been such an opportunity in the, in the user play and tech has moved so far forward. So right now it's i personally feel like we're in a bit of a reactionary zone because we don't quite know what the answers are but it will settle it'll work itself out and and we'll understand it a bit better so um yeah the key thing to look at i think is stick to the diversification and the, and the risk strategies and what those are but just really look at those time horizons it's like just make sure that you don't need the money in, in a year or two that you've got um somewhere a bit risky and and if it's already dropped and your strategy is 20 years then enjoy some discounted prices for a while because maybe we've just been paying a bit over the odds for the last year and those dollar cost averaging strategies and stuff. Really good pointers there. Mm -hmm. And um, and John and Victoria, I mean, you you both kind of mentioned a bit about market volatility right at the start of our, our chat today. Um, I guess, you know, what can investors do to prepare themselves for, you know, um, uncertainty or market volatility, you know, if if this year brings brings some of that, um, yeah, I guess uh, touching on what Leighton said, you, you got to take a long term view um, when investing. Um, you know, I know we've talked about what we can expect for for twenty twenty two, but it's really um, you know you need to take a long term view when investing, and it's all about buying quality quality companies or investing in um, you know quality investments that you know will continue to to grow earnings and outperform um is, is kind of my strategy and, and also having a balanced portfolio so um, whether that's you know diversifying across companies asset classes um you know having that that balanced approach but it's also not not to get too reactionary i think um you know it's it's we haven't had a lot of volatility and so now we're seeing a little bit and we, we're kind of getting a bit nervous and it's uh, but but volatility in markets is, is natural and it's um, like I said at the beginning it kind of it, it, it creates opportunities so if there's any companies you've had your eye on that um, you know that that, that 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 have pulled back and then you can maybe um, you know dip your toe in and start investing in them or you know it does create opportunities in that sense so um, but if you're taking a long-term view then really um, you know that this kind of volatility is is just kind of part and parcel of of of, of investing, really. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd probably just add to that, which is really 
probably just repeating what Victoria and Leighton have said, but I think of it in two ways, sort of the high-level strategic and then the lower-level sort of tactical. And at a high-level strategic, most important thing is to understand yourself as an investor. Like, how do you cope with stress? Mm. Do you stop sleeping and want to sell everything? Because that's a problem for your investing if that's how you if, if that's how you react. But you've got to understand how you're going to react when markets um, do come under stress. You've got to understand how much risk you can take as an investor, how much risk you should be taking, um, which again comes down to your time horizon, you know, which Leighton talked about, and also your objectives for investing. Like, what, what are you saving for? Are you saving for what sort of goal and over, over what time? So at a high level, understand yourself, understand why you're investing, and then more tactically, um, you know, research-based decisions. We, we talk a lot at, at Pathfinder about process, and it's about creating um, repeatable, good repeatable decisions leaving emotion out of it. Um, so you're using research, you're making objective decisions, you're not just reacting to the news that you read overnight. Um, you know, diverse, diversity of, of holdings versus concentration of holdings and and a, a good strategy um, in times of volatility, which Leighton mentioned averaging out, and that's a great strategy when you've got volatility. And everyone's got a Kiwi saver. If you're putting money in every month and your employer's putting money in, you are averaging in. You're going to get the average mm. price over the year as every month you you put more money in. But the, rather than if you think the market's going to be more volatile, and most commentators will say 2022 is going to be more volatile, um, if you're concerned about if I jump in now, it may be 10% lower it may be 10% higher, but it could be 10% lower in a few months. Um, maybe put a chunk in now, chunk in a couple of months, you know, spread it out, average it in over time. Oh, really good pointers here and, and good reminders for people, um, you know, just when they're looking at their investment portfolio and deciding what to invest in and, and, and how to get started as well. So thank you all. Um, I am quite conscious of time as um, we do have a, a bunch of questions from people who are listening in. Um, so perhaps let's move on to those now. Um, and this first question actually relates quite nicely to some of those um, points um, you were just making around dollar cost averaging. Um, new investor here, uh, I can't afford to invest large amounts, so I'm doing a little bit every pay cycle. Uh, you know, what are some tips for investors investing small amounts regularly? Uh, you know, I guess um, is some things to consider um, when, when they're um, looking at their investment portfolio and, and their investment decisions. Um, perhaps Leighton, uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm one of those people. So welcome to the club. I've done $50 a week since I was 17. And um, I, I've i got two kids, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and I um, uh, put $5 a week in for each of them. And I'm not going to change that ever just to prove that that can work uh, as a great wealth development tool. So um, look, I think you're bang on uh, already with what you're doing. So what you can afford regularly, and uh, it's gonna be very hard to go wrong from there. So I wouldn't stress too much about the rest of it, but just think about what your objectives are. So, you know, if if you like picking stocks, then that's what you should do, because I think whatever can continue to engage you in, in that process, then then use it. Just just don't panic on the on the sell front. If it's a good, you know, if it's a good co company when you buy it and you relook at it the next week and it's still a good company, but the price has changed a little bit, just you don't need to react to that at all. You just just um, keep on going. If picking stocks is not your thing, then you know those the auto invest features that like Sharesies have are very good into funds or um, or you can select and I and um, that way you can sort of just leave it go and check on it in a year and see what happens. But um, ultimately, with those smaller amounts, you, you know the biggest investment for most people starting out is their income in themselves, right? So um, that you hold the biggest asset you hold. So putting a little bit away that away is the most important thing. I just um, 
I, the thing that worries me about this mostly is how many people worry about what they're going to choose and stuff afterwards because I really, really think that's the least important part of it. That behavior is just so much more important. Yeah, and look, I might just add to that later on the strategy a lot of people use is, is um, core and satellite. So think of um, the bulk of your portfolio going into core um you know, US, New Zealand, um, broad market exposures, and then satellite is, um, you know, you're learning about investing, you're trying different things, you've got some strong thoughts around, I don't know, tech or, or um, healthcare or whatever it may be, and so invest in some of those companies, but just right size it, if, particularly when you're learning, just, you know, the core part, you're going to write what the market does, um, and if you're there for the long term, that's fine. And then have that satel- satellite piece to um, um, to try different things. And, and there's no substitute for actually being in the market and investing and, and making decisions. Um, you know, you can do all the reading you want, but it's actually investing that's really, really important. So I'd encourage people to have a, at least a small bucket of that satellite where they're um, trying different ideas. I like that core and satellite. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, hey, John, I think that this question um, will be a great one to direct to you. Um, Jill here is really interested in emerging investment trends related to climate change. I guess, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, look, yes. And, and when people ask me what are the what are the key trends for for the year ahead, um, sort of that that push to green investment, the climate concerns um, is you know one of the top on my list. This is not a fad. This is this is the new reality. Um, government regulation, consumer preferences uh, are changing our world around a move to lower carbon. New technology, you know, solar is cost competitive with every other form of um, energy now. You know, that's a game changer. Um, so new technology is changing is changing our world. So we need to think with our investments. How is a company transitioning to a lower carbon world? And if your time horizon for investing is six months, maybe not so important, but if your time horizon is a decade, that's actually a really important question. How are, how are airlines transitioning to a lower carbon world? Um, it, it's going to impact um, every company. And, um, you know, if you're a property company, if you've got a, co- a lot of coastal property, a low lying property, uh, you know, it, you've got to think about it in your portfolio, the impacts are going to be everywhere. And it is a, um, we're going to see more and more of that. Um, going forward in the, in the investment decisions people make? Good question. Uh, Victoria and Leighton, anything? Yeah, it's much easier to... Yeah, it's much easier to invest in a, in a company that's in a growing industry, um, you know, like, or, or, or part of a growing trend than it is to invest in one that's in a declining or a shrinking kind of industry because um, just, it's just much harder to grow. And so I think that's why... Um, you know, personally, I I like to invest in in you know sustainable companies, you know, eco-friendly, what, whatever you want to call it, good companies that are either reducing their impact on the environment or having a positive impact on the environment. Because I think, uh, yeah, like John said, regulation, uh, you know, consumer preference is all heading that way, and so uh, it's going to become uh, you know just a greater and greater. Uh, part of part of investing and in, in, in part of, of global markets, and I don't think it's a trend that's going away uh, anytime soon at all. Yeah, and there's there's kind of two sides to it, which is one side is I can use um, transition to a low carbon world to make more money. I will avoid coal companies because, um, like Victoria's saying, it's a it's a it doesn't have a future in terms of growth. Um, so part of it is how do I use um, these sort of environmental issues to to make more money or de-risk my portfolio. The other side of it is, 
actually climate change is a complete risk to our, you know, total risk to our civilization. I want to invest in a way that I feel comfortable with. And that is avoiding harm, but also investing positively in, um, in good companies. Cool. I might just um, move on to another another question here. Um, this is we actually um, briefly mentioned crypto before, and this question's from Daniel, who's who's wondering, you know, what are um, your views on the ways in which and the likelihood of the cryptocurrency market affecting the share market in twenty twenty two, and perhaps Leighton, do you have any thoughts on that? I do have thoughts, but nothing succinctly succinct that would be helpful for anyone, um, which is one of my problems with crypto generally probably <laughs> sums it up. Um, look, I, I think it's yet to be seen. Um, well, for me, it's yet to be seen. So I, I listened to quite a few podcasts on it. And unfortunately, so far, I don't feel like I often come away too much smarter um, <laughs> because uh, it, I'm, I'm still just working out where this world is going. I like to speak to people a lot about it. I um, just don't profess to understand it. So uh, I think there's a huge momentum of young people behind it, um, uh, which is really fascinating to me. Uh, I think that, you know, hype and momentum can mean a lot. And I think a spark for someone to get into putting their money into something for the for the future is um, is is really exciting too. So um, I'm, yeah, I, that's all I really have to say. Unfortunately, that's very limited, but I, I just don't think I'm informed enough to be helpful on that. <laughs> That's okay. What about um, John? What about you? Because I believe Pathfinder, you um, you made an investment into um, a blockchain company or a crypto yeah. company yeah, so a while back. Yeah. Into our KiwiSaver invested in Easy Easy Crypto, um, and I'm like Leighton. It's um, super interesting space. Really hard to work out. Um, exactly where the long term the winners and losers are going to be. Um, Bitcoin up sixty percent last year. Fantastic. Um, you know. Who knows? Who knows what will do this year? The, what I'm interested in, as an investor, um, not being able to choose which of the cryptos is going to be a winner. I, um, I'm interested in the infrastructure around it, which is why we invested in Easy Crypto, um, and you know the idea of DeFi, um, particularly in in countries where people are not served by. Um, a traditional or conventional financial systems, the idea of being able to make deposits and loans, microloans through um, cryptocurrency, I find super interesting. Um, so again, for me, that's the the infrastructure around crypto, um, I think is where, you know, the, the picks and shovels rather than being the gold miner is, the, is our approach we're taking to crypto. And how about you, Victoria? Any thoughts? Yeah, and we get asked this a lot through through the curve. Um, you know, we get a lot of questions on crypto and Bitcoin, and I keep coming back to, um, you know, it's it's all about investing in what you know and investing in what you understand. And because you know, it, at some point, it, it it won't go to plan. And if you're left holding um, an investment that you don't understand anything about, then um, you know, you could lose a lot of money. So it's just it's just making sure that yes, there's people out there that understand it and can see its, its uses and see its viability in the future. And that's there's a lot of people that just hear a good story hear how someone's made so much money and just want to jump on the bandwagon. I think that's where you need to be careful. Uh, it's all about you're making, doing your own research, investing in, in, in what you know, and, and, and therefore um, you, can, you can sleep a lot better at night. So it's just, it's just making sure that you, you, you don't listen to it. To you, don't, you don't put all your life savings into, into a hot tip that you've heard that you're actually, um, you know, comes to comfortable. 
Yeah, good point is there. And I think, um, you know, ones that apply more generally to investing as well, you know, doing your due diligence and, um, you know, things like that are always important um, when making investment decisions. Um, I might just make this last question quite a quick fire one um, and we'll make it our last one for today. Um, but if house prices are not sustainable in New Zealand, uh, what, do you guys, what do you guys think will happen? Uh, you know, will we see more people go to shares as a different investment method or, um, you know, will, will people invest less in shares as they cannot access as much money? Um, you know, Leighton, um, you know, shares these recently did some research kind of around investors' attitudes towards money. Perhaps, you know, you'll, you've got some thoughts on this. Yeah, I have so many thoughts on the housing market. Um, that's for sure. And, you know, um, so the first thing is we spent a few months living in Sydney last year and we're still well behind what it's like over there. So that's interesting in itself. There's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what, um, a bit of income inflation, which is happening around the place at the moment, will do to affordability um, and things. And I'm hoping that New Zealand comes out of this with some higher incomes because we've sort of really fallen behind Australia on that front. Um, with with houses in particular, we know that there's less people looking to buy houses, right? That's now fact. So it's um, and largely we also know that that sentiment's not l driven less by losing the quarter acre dream and more by the reality of trying to come up with a deposit to buy a house just doesn't feel real anymore. That sort of tangibility is gone. So I think that's going to be an amazing problem for companies to solve, and it's something that Sharesies will lend its hand to as well. Um, and with regards to are people looking to other ways to grow their wealth, then that's absolutely happening. You know, a huge part of more people looking at shares in New Zealand is the, the price of their house, housing market, which traditionally been where people invest their money. So um, we know that a huge part of Sharesies growth and, you know, lots of other investment um, places around is the fact that people are looking for different types of assets. So... Um, and there are ways down the track to create similar types of growth models to what um, housing has done for people. So, and I'm sure that th those solutions will um, come to the fore. Um, I personally haven't lost hope on, on people being able to afford houses in New Zealand. And I think if we're really smart about it and we put some real energy behind it, then we can make that feel real again. So, um, yeah, I, to answer the question, um, what do I think about house prices? I think it's, I, I remember when I, I was lucky enough to buy a house about my first house about seven years ago and I felt like it was an absolute stretch then and I can't imagine what it would be like looking at it now if I was um, to be doing that. So I can appreciate completely the sentiment that people have around the challenges there uh, and I'm happy to see that people are taking it into their own hands a little bit and putting their money into other growth assets and still making sure there's a path for growing their wealth. No, that's great. Thank you. Um, Unfortunately, we are out of time, so we will um, wrap up now. But I just wanted to thank, firstly, everyone for tuning in today. Um, I hope that you've found this chat as um, insightful and valuable as what I have. And a very special thanks um, to Victoria, John, and also Leighton for joining us today. Um, you know, this has been a really, really interesting chat. And as you say, um, we'll be... Um, quite interesting to look back, you know, in a year's time and, and see how 2022 plays out. Um, now, for those of you um, watching, um, you can um, watch a replay of this, this discussion right here on Crowdcast immediately after we sign off. Um, but there will also be a YouTube video um, uploaded and podcast versions available later today. Um, so thank you, everyone. And please enjoy the rest of your week and stay safe. For more info, visit www.sharesies.nz or find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Ka kite anō. Take care and happy investing.